If you have your Bible with you today, I'd ask you to open with me to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 6 in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. And we are going to read a few verses, but we're going to focus our, uh, our attention today on the last two verses in the text, verses uh, 12 and 13. And the two verses that we're going to spend our time on uh, deal with temptation. And in particular, um, they tell us how we should respond when we are tempted to do wrong. And I don't know much more of a, a much more practical topic than this because each of us is tempted each and every day and in, in, in many times in many ways. And sometimes we're, we're tempted in regards to our thought life. Sometimes we're tempted in regards to our, our motivations or our attitudes. Sometimes it's in an area of revenge. We might be tempted to, to hold a grudge or, or, uh, or maybe, maybe our temptation is when it comes to using ungodly speech. Um, maybe it's, it's in this area of unforgiveness. We might be tempted to lie or, or to steal or to be proud. And the list can just go on and on and on. The temptations come every day. And sometimes they come fast and furious, don't they? And, and sometimes they're, they're really strong and they're, they're super intense. Other times they're, they're more of like a uh, just kind of a real weak and, and subtle temptation. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's kind of a combination of the two. Have, have you ever experienced that? The devil will be tempting you and it's a, uh, just a real, uh, a real strong temptation. You're like, I know what this is. This is the devil trying to get me to do the wrong thing. I'm not going to do it. And then the, the temptation will, will kind of cease. That, that, that pressure will kind of cease. And, and then it's, it's kind of like the devil just slides on up next to us and, and hits us with a real subtle temptation that doesn't even seem like a temptation. And, uh, and sometimes he'll trip us up that way. And, and so our text today is going to give us some direction when it comes to dealing with and fighting temptation. Now to make his point, what Paul's going to do is he's going to remind the Corinthians of time after time when, when the, the Israelites failed. Okay, he's going to review some of their history, and he's going to, he's going to remind them. I mean, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, is filled with times when the Israelites failed to do what God said to do. They gave in to, to a various temptation, or, or maybe it's just a group of people within, uh, within the camp, and they just kind of went off the rails and gave in to the temptation they experienced. And so there's a warning in, warning in here that we need to pay attention to, because if it could happen to them, it can happen to us. But there's also an encouragement in here because their mistakes were recorded for us so that we wouldn't make the same ones. Now, I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, sometimes we say that a wise person learns from their mistakes, but I say a truly wise person learns from the, the mistakes of someone else. And so Paul gives us uh, just a list of, 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 uh, of times that Israel failed, and then he draws some conclusions and gives us some help in fighting temptation. Now, if you found 1 Corinthians 10, I'd ask you to stand with me to, to honor God's word if you're able. We'll keep, pick up in verse 6 and read down to verse 13. Now, he's, um, he's just recounted some of the, the things that have happened in, uh, in the past with Israel. And then he says, now, these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and, 20, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, 
upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Thank you. May be seated. Now, the first thing that Paul tells us in verse 12, as I said, we're going we're to constrain our focus to verses 12 and 13. The first thing he tells us in verse 12 is don't be spiritually proud. Don't be spiritually proud. Now, I know that none of you have ever struggled with pride. You never struggled with spiritual, spiritual pride. But likely somebody on your row has struggled with that. So uh, allow me to speak to them, and you can just listen in for just a minute. Paul reminds the Corinthians, and he reminds us about all these times that the Israelites failed when they were tempted. And the, the lesson from that, the application from that, is, is pretty plain. Just as they fell, so can we. Therefore, don't be puffed up with pride. Now, what happens many times is we as Christians know that we're in the love of God. We, we love uh, Romans chapter 8, and so we know that we're in the love of God, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, nor height, nor death, or anything else. Nothing can separate us from God's love, and, and, and we feel secure in that, and so sometimes we begin to let down our guard. Other times we're especially vulnerable in our, our special moments with God, and I don't really know what else to call them. Sometimes we have what you might say is a, a mountaintop experience, you might call it that, uh, but we have those times when, when we feel extra close to God. Maybe it's in a, a service, or, or maybe it's just as we're driving along and, and, and we're, we're singing some song, a, a praise to God, or or God opens the scriptures to us and, and we, we see some insight that applies right to our lives, whatever it is, we, we feel close to God. And we feel the, the thrill and the gratitude of our salvation. And just like Elijah, you remember he, he dealt with the prophets of Baal, and right after that, uh, a single woman scared him and he ran away. And, and, and what happens is, many times we, we, we have these mountaintop experiences and then we fall into sin. Because what happens is, our mind gets focused on God. You say, well, pastor, that's a good thing, right? I mean, we're Christians. Our mind should be focused on God, and that is a good thing to be focused on. But what happens is, when we do that, many times we neglect being watchful, and we forget that we're in a spiritual battle. Or sometimes we, 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 we get our mind focused on God, and that's a good thing, but sometimes we get kind of prideful because... Uh, because we've had this experience with him. And, and in those times, Paul says we need to take heed lest we fall. As one commentator said, the Christian security against sin is distrust of himself. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, something like that can't happen to me. That's the type of attitude that Paul is warning us against. And for, for an illustration of this, you say, well, I, that, that surely won't happen to me. You just think about Peter. What happened with Peter? You remember up in the upper room at the Last Supper, what did he say? He said, Lord, uh, everybody else may desert you, but not me. I'll go to, I'll go to jail for you. I'll go to my death for you. And it, it wasn't just a little bit, and he was denying that he even knew Jesus. And so we can be puffed up with spiritual pride. You say, well, how do I know if I'm prideful? Because pride's one of those subtle things that we, we often don't realize that we're prideful, uh, even when we are. So, so how do we know if we're prideful? Well, as I, I look at my own life and I look at those, uh, the lives of those around me, uh, I think that there are a few things that kind of characterize the person that's puffed up with spiritual pride. 
Now, one of those things is, is, is we rest on our past spiritual accomplishments. And this can happen with individuals. It can happen with churches. Uh, sometimes, oftentimes, we depend on ourselves instead of depending on Jesus. We want to fight the devil in our own strength. And the problem is we have a saboteur in, the, in our midst, and that's the flesh. We may grow dull to the warnings of Scripture. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been reading your Bible and you see all these warnings that the Bible gives, uh, the condemnation about certain sins? And we can think about half a dozen people that that applies to, and we're not one of them. You ever, you ever find yourself doing that? That is, a, uh, that is an evidence of spiritual pride. Temptation to spiritual pride is kind of like the, the, the temptation that starts at all many times. It's, the, it's like the first domino that's knocked over. And we need to take heed, Paul says, lest we fall. But next, uh, the next thing Paul tells us in verse 12 is this. Don't think the temptation is too much. Don't think your temptation is too much. Many times when we're fighting temptation, when, when the devil is tempting us, trying to get us to do wrong, it feels like there's no use in fighting it. It feels like, 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 uh, like we just can't win. And when we lose our resolve, what do we do? We give in and we sin. We say, well, if I'm, if, 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 if I'm going to give in anyway, I might as well just get it over with and do it now. And our resolve goes out the window. And in those times, we might think that somehow we're, we're unique in what the devil is hitting us with. We may become convinced that we're the only one who understands what we're going through. Nobody else understands our struggles. We think the devil is hitting us with stronger temptations than anybody else. You ever felt that way? I mean, the devil is tempting you. And at that moment, you think, there is no way that anybody else is doing, that's experiencing this. The devil has something special for me. It's a special delivery straight from hell. And then what's worse is we come to church and people smile and shake hands and give hugs and say, how you doing? And everybody seems to have it all together. It makes us feel worse, doesn't it? Because we know in our own heart what, what we've been tempted with. We know in our own heart the times that we've failed. And then we come to church or, or wherever it is and it seems like everybody else has it together except us. I'm going to tell you a secret. Every person here is going through the same stuff you are. Now, the details may be different. Your temptation is going to be tailored to you. But the people around you don't have it together either. None of us does. And the stuff that feels like it's, like it's a special delivery for us, what does verse 12 say? He says, or verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. So first, we need to realize that we are not unique in being tempted in the way that we are. But we also must remember that we are not alone in our temptation. We're not alone in our temptation. Now, we have a great church here. It's not big. Not a lot of folks come. But it's... <coughs> It's a good church. We have folks that love one another. And we have other Christians around us, the brothers and sisters in Christ, who can stand with us in those temptations. They can lift us up. They can pray for us. But even more important than that is notice what verse 13 says again. It says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful. 
God is faithful. That means the Lord is with us and he doesn't fail. You're not alone in your battle. Sometimes we feel like we're deserted on the battlefield of spiritual warfare, don't we? But God has been faithful to help others. He's been faithful to help us in the past and he will continue to be faithful. So, 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 so notice what he says in verse 13. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can handle with his help. Last thing I want you to see is in verse 13. And that is that, uh, that we need to take the way of escape that God provides. We need to take the way of escape when God provides. Now, now when we are tempted to do wrong, God provides a way of escape. Look at verse 13 again. It says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted to, uh, to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you may be able to endure it. Now, I want you to pay careful attention to what he says there in verse 13. It says that God will not allow a temptation that's too strong to come your way. Now, um, what does that tell us? First, it tells us that God's not the one tempting us to sin. Notice the word that's used. It's allow. God doesn't tempt anyone. The Bible's very plain on that. Uh, James chapter 1 says it explicitly. God doesn't tempt anyone to do wrong. But sometimes he does allow temptation into our lives. Why? Well, it's ultimately for his glory. He uses those things to shape us and make us more like Christ. Have you ever gone through temptation and were successful? And you come out the other side and you're like, I made it. And in those times, what, what has happened? Our faith has grown. We, we realize that we can count on God and, and God uses those things to make us more like Jesus. And so when he does allow that temptation, notice verse 13 says he provides a way of escape. So what can we know about this way of escape? Notice verse 13, it says, uh, he provides the way of escape. That is a definite article. Now, I don't believe that means that there's just one way of escape that God provides. Rather, I think what he's saying is that whatever the temptation is, there's an appropriate way of escape. But second, notice also that with each temptation he allows, there's a way of escape. And so, so there's not any uh, temptation that we're going to go through where God's not with us in some way. Third, sometimes, notice the end of verse 13, we are given strength to bear up under it. What does the end of verse 13 say? He'll provide a way of escape so that you will be able to what? Endure it. You'll be able to endure it. In other words, God doesn't always give us an escape hatch as soon as we're tempted. Sometimes he delays, and sometimes he just gives us the strength to get through it. Now this ties back in, into, into this idea of, of escape, because we might think of escape as being removed from the temptation, and oftentimes that's the case. But the idea here seems more to be that he will keep us from being entirely overcome by the temptation. We will escape being overcome by the temptation. We won't be conquered by the temptation. And sometimes... The way that that looks is, is by getting us out of the situation. And sometimes the way that looks is getting us through the situation. God will provide the strength to endure it. So what are some ways that God might use, uh, some, some means that he might use as a way of escape? Well, first, 
this isn't so much a way of escape, but more of just common sense. One of the best ways not to be tempted is don't dally with sin. If you don't, I've said it before, it's not original to me, but, but it's, it's quite memorable. If you don't want to fall, don't walk where it's slippery. If, if you don't want to be tempted, don't play with sin. Because many times, what do we say? Well, I wonder how close I can get to this sin without sinning. As Christians, we, we should be saying, how far away from the sin can I get? Not how close to it can I get? But, but what we do is we want to play with, with sin, and then we're surprised when we're tempted to do wrong. Second, oftentimes the Lord will, will put the brakes on the temptation by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's in the midst of a temptation, maybe it's right at the outset, but we're going through something, and all of a sudden, sometimes we'll be in the middle of this, this extreme uh, temptation, this draw to do wrong, and all of a sudden, it's like there's a lull in the storm, and the Spirit of God says, don't do that. That will lead you to sin. If you do what you're planning on doing, if you do what you're tempted to do, that is sin. And we feel that conviction. Sometimes we heed it. Sometimes we ignore it. And we go on with the sin anyhow. Other times, maybe it's, it's something as, as simple as having other people around us. You say, how's that a, an escape? Well, oftentimes we, we act like and maybe we think that when we're in some, some temptation, we don't have a choice in the matter. And we do it no matter what. Now listen. If, if your temptation is the language you use, there may be some things you wouldn't say if Grandma was around. Right? There, there may be some, some things you wouldn't do if, if certain people were around. And so sometimes a, a way of escape is, is just having people around us. Often, simply going somewhere else. It's a very simple way of escape, isn't it? A simple change of scenery. Physically getting up and walking away from whatever it is. You remember Joseph in Potiphar's house? He didn't stick around. He got out of there. And the list could go on and on and on. And those are simple and they're practical. The question is, why don't we take advantage of them? God provides the way of escape. Why don't we take advantage of them? And I think the biggest reason is because those temptations in the name are flesh. I think uh, somebody is trying to, uh, trying to subtly tell me it's time to wrap up. <laughs> Don't give in to that temptation. Fight the devil. So what I, what I was getting at is one of the biggest reasons that we give in to the temptation is because it inflames our, our flesh. It's like I can't say that line without that without the music. And, and so so part of us wants to give in, to stay in that tempting situation, to keep going down that path regardless of consequences. We might be spiritually proud and, uh, and we looked at that earlier. And frankly, one of the biggest ways that we uh, one of the biggest reasons we don't take the way of escape is because it's a lot less appealing than the temptation. Right? Because what does the temptation promise? The temptation promises uh, a feeling good of, of some sort of payoff. But the, the way of escape requires self-discipline. 
It requires uh, restraint. It may involve something like not getting revenge or, or not besting someone verbally. It, it involves denying ourselves and following Jesus. And that seems a lot less appealing in the time of temptation than temptation itself. And that's something that we have to learn over and over and over again. And we fail so many times. I fail. You fail. Each of us fails. John tells us, though, in 1 John chapter 1 and 2, uh, 1 John chapters 1 and 2, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then he says in chapter 2, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And listen, the most holy saint of God can only stand as long as he depends on God. Because when we, when we stop doing that, we will fall into sin every time because we can't do it on our own. We cannot do it. And, and maybe you've had some failing this week that's known to a very, just a very few people. Maybe you've had a failing that, that's known only between you and the Lord. Confess your sin to it. Acknowledge that sin. Own that sin and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that forgiveness was purchased by Jesus on the cross. And I don't know the, the condition of anybody's heart here, but I just want you to know that, that Jesus died to save sinners. Just like me and just like you. And the Bible says that if we will turn from our sin, if we will repent of that sin and trust, on, trust in Christ, believe on him, we will be saved. And if you've never done that, I call on you to do that. You want to stand with me as the musician comes? I ask you to stand and, and bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just want to ask you how well you fight temptation. If real honest, it depends on the day. Some days, and we're just we're just on fire for the Lord. The devil tempts us to do wrong and we recognize it for what it is and we don't do it. And other times, the devil just hits us time after time after time after time after time after time and it's all day, it's constant and we give in and we fail time after time after time. Listen, every one of us experiences that as a Christian. One of the most encouraging verses in the Bible, I think, says that God remembers that we're the dust. He remembers our frame. Psalm goes on to say that, that He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. What sin is there that you need to 
Ask God to forgive. If you're a Christian, you don't get saved again. If you're adopted into his family, you're in his family. You can, you can break that, that fellowship with him, not the relationship. Is there an attitude that you've had? Words that you've said? Things that you've looked at? Things that you've done? Things that you've taken? Whatever it is, there is forgiveness. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you'd help each of us as we fight temptation. Help us to, in those in those times when you are near us, but maybe we don't feel it, the devil's just pounding us. Help us to rely on you. Help us to take those some of those simple and practical ways of escape. Maybe it's just getting up and going somewhere else. A change of scenery. Maybe it's going for a walk. So we don't want to say that inappropriate thing to our, our our spouse or our kids or our parents. change of scenery so that we're not getting into stuff that we shouldn't be getting into. Maybe it's having folks around us that are going to hold us accountable. Lord, we thank you so much for the forgiveness that's offered. We thank you that on the cross 2,000 years ago when when you knew about our sin, Christ died for us anyway. God, if there's somebody here who's never experienced that forgiveness, that salvation, we lift them up to you and ask that you draw them to yourself today. God, forgive us for those times we've given them when we've let the flesh take control. We haven't mortified our sin. We have mortified the flesh. Put it to death. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name.